Hello, I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. Today we have Carla Atherton on the show to talk about the role of toxins in childhood chronic illness. And she's also the host of the Childhood Health Summit uh, coming up very, very soon. And I wanted to, you know, do this podcast to talk about uh, why so many children today are being diagnosed with ADHD and POTS and autism. Um, it, so many children have allergies and asthma. We talk about the role of vaccines and what role they play in uh, the you know underlying root cause of these some of these childhood illnesses and what you can do about it and how the whole family really needs to be uh, treated, not just the child. So we cover all these topics and more in today's show. I know that so many of you listening to this podcast are looking for solutions, looking to underlying root causes of why you have vague symptoms like fatigue and brain fog or even a diagnosis. And I assure you that heavy metals and chemicals are big underlying root causes or outright exacerbating your health issues. So I've created a quiz. It's You can find it at heavymetalsquiz.com. And I created this because I wanted to give you a tool where you could determine your levels of heavy metals in your body based on some lifestyle questions. And after you take the quiz, I give you some solutions and tips about what the next steps would be. So go to heavymetalsquiz.com and take the quiz. Our guest today, Carla Atherton, M-A-F-T-N and I-T-N, is the director of the Health Family Formula, host of the Children's Health Summit, family health and nutrition coach, writer and editor, researcher, curriculum developer, publisher, workshop leader, yoga instructor, health revolutionary, and children's health advocate. Carla is an acreage living mother of three and specializes in family health with a focus on functional, holistic, natural health and wellness with specific interest in chronic childhood illness, functional neurology, digestive health, the science of mind-body practices, stress reduction, autoimmunity, and immunology. Carla coaches families to overcome health challenges using the principles of functional health and lifestyle medicine. You can learn more about her at healthyfamilyformula.com. Carla, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. So you have spent the last seven years becoming an expert in family wellness, you know, aiming to revolutionize family health. So what started you on this mission? Um, well, <laughs> it's a long story, but to make it a little shorter, it's like kind of like everybody, you know, it seems that everybody who starts in this kind of space and really getting focused on health and wellness and um, finding alternative, you know, answers to things that they really weren't questioning before. It's like my own experience with health. So my my daughter, well, actually, I, you know, I had some health issues before and I was already looking into things, you know, a little bit differently, like, hmm, I wonder why I have weird digestion and I wonder why I'm not feeling so great and wonder why I gained 35 pounds at the age of 35 when I was never really a heavy set person. I got small bones. That's a lot of weight, right? For a per person my size. So, 
um, you know, I was kind of exploring those things. Like, why is this chronic thing not going away? Like, why can't I actually deal with this or handle that? And that was pretty much like the very tip of the iceberg is what, of what we experienced through the years after that. But, um, but then my daughter was, was type, diagnosed with type one diabetes and she was 11 at the time, which is kind of the time to be diagnosed. And, um, you know, it seems that a lot of kids, uh, you know, end up, you know, developing type one diabetes at that time of their lives. Um, and so that really turned everything on its head. Like that's when I, and so I went to the hospital. Okay. So this is us. We, you know, I, I'm kind of noticing these strange things happening in my daughter. She's, she's kind of thirsty. She's got kind of funny vision. She's, you know, saying, you know, mom, like I, I, you know, she has to pee a lot. And those are like classic three signs of having, you know, type one. And, um, so I was like, that sounds like sugar. Like that, that I don't like that. So I, I actually made an appointment and my, the doctor kind of, you know, said, why are, you know, what's the, you know, don't panic about stuff. And I'm like, I'm not gave me crap for not, for not bringing, you know, for bringing food, but not feeding her. So I fasted her cause I knew we needed to check her sugar. And, um, so, but I had this bag of food right beside my feet and I'm like, well, I just want to make sure that we can do this test now. I'm not coming back tomorrow. So I like to do it tomorrow. We did it. She calls me later that evening and said, Carla, she has diabetes. And I was like, okay. So my, my, what I do with, a, with that kind of, um, I guess information or that kind of, you know, like, or, um, and then with her diagnosis, what I do is I often just, I get started. Like I, I just, my feet, you know, hit the ground running, you know, and I, I, I look into stuff and I read everything I can possibly read about it. And I really got, um, schooled in what I did not have any idea about before. All I had was instinct really to go by and my own experience so far with what wasn't working and what might work, right? So we went to the hospital. I was asking about glycemic index, you know, to the endocrinologist, like what, what does that have to do with um, controlling blood sugars? And he said nothing. And so when he said that, I went, mm, we're on our own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fine... I don't think that's true. So I think we're going to have to find somebody who knows something about this. So that's when um, my break from conventional medicine kind of really came and expanded into an understanding of the body as a functional, like it, like in the lens of functional medicine, functional wellness, lifestyle interventions, and how powerful those the the concepts are, and how powerful the therapies, the you know the daily lifestyle, the you know all that stuff that comes along with it. Um, how powerful that is for healing and for well prevention, you know, in the first place, because I really realized what might have caused all of this to happen to my, you know, 11 year old daughter, who's now um, 18. Um, and then what to do about it. So root cause resolution, you know, those, those sorts of things became really, um, I really started to understand those things. So that's what started me on the mission. What I've do, done since has been um, something I never would have thought that I, I didn't like, you know, I'm not 15 years old going, I think I'm going to be like a family health coach when I get to, I think I'm going to, you know, I, I mean, there's not even <laughs> close. I mean, I, what is that? Right. So, um, so that's kind of what started me on that, on this mission. Yeah. And so there's a lot missing in regards to, you know, childcare in the conventional medical space. So, so can you talk about what some of those things are? Like what's, what are we not getting, um, in regards to taking care of our children in the mainstream medical space? 
Yeah, I think one of the worst things, and I love, thank you for asking me that, because then I can sort of stand up here in my soapbox and tell everybody what I think. But, um, you know, so I think one of the worst things, and, and what most one of the most disservices that we give to parents or is that they're told it's permanent, right? Like that it's like, something happened and and that's that's actually a lot of the case that we we had a lot of those responses from the people in our environment like from doctors and from family and from you know well-wishing people that oh i'm so sorry you know like that this you know that's happened to you right and it's permanent and it's something that we can't do anything about well i soon learned that that is not true that there is a ton you can do actually like so much more than what anybody you know even close comes close to understanding and that we're missing the opportunity, right? If we if we're just told that there's nothing we can do that's permanent, um, the hope, right, that keeps people seeking, that keeps them motivated, that keeps them curious, asking questions, having some sort of sense of innovation that will, you know, create change. Because if we're told that this is it, that's what you get, you dealt this deck of cards, you know, um, no, I'm I'm reshuffling those cards. I, I you know, I'm I'm not that that's not an answer for me. Um, and I also, and also that it, we're told it's normal, right? Like this is a normal thing that, you know, things just happen. And, you know, if we're not talking about like type one diabetes, if we're talking about all, any other chronic condition that, you know, children may encounter and they're encountering those, those uh, conditions more and more all the time, like the, the, these, the numbers are just skyrocketing. And, but we are like lobsters in a pot thinking that it's normal, right? Because everybody else is sick. This is a, this is pretty normal for kids to suffer from anxiety and depression now, like especially teenagers. It's like, ah, oh, they're just going through this phase. And they, you know, no, that's not normal. And they're not actually growing out of it. That's not a normal thing to happen. Or it's not normal to have, you know, chronic eczema or, or acne. It's not normal to, um, you know, and it, or shouldn't be. It might be the norm, but it's not normal. It's not healthy, right? So all of these things that were kind of like, we had lots of kids with ADHD diagnoses, or um, autism, you know, this has become something that's just like common and every day. But that I think that's a real disservice that I don't think that we need to be like, you know, chastising people or anything like that. But we need to understand this is not okay. And that we're, the, the, you know, so we really need to pay attention to the things that's uh, what's happening, basically. So that so what that does is that it stops us from questioning or improving and living our best lives, right? Imp- improving what because you know, our families can really, and our children can really have a lot of suffering unnecessarily, right? Some things you can't fix all the way, some things are hard, but you can definitely improve to a point where it's not a constant state of suffering unnecessarily. Yeah, and and that's one thing that's so important that I love that yeah. you said, is that if your your child gets a diagnosis, don't just, yeah. and the doctor says, oh, there's nothing that can be done. BS. There is always something that can be done. You know, I for me, I don't ever take no for an answer. I'm like, there is always a workaround. There is always something you can do. Because my daughter Winter was diagnosed with autism um, at you know just before her third birthday, and and then there's some doctors out there that would say, oh, there's there's you know that's a lifetime diagnosis. And um, I didn't get that messaging, but I know a lot of people do. And, um, you know, and my daughter is normal today because of all the interventions and everything that I had to do to be proactive. So I understand that kind of devastating emotional impact 
that can come with a, a childhood, uh, you know, illness diagnosis or a, you know a psychiatric diagnosis like autism. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about toxicity and how toxicity mm-hmm. relates and is contributing to childhood chronic illness. Okay. Well, you know what? I just want to say one other thing about you talking about diagnosis because mm-hmm. I identify with you as another mom and, and other parents that are listening to this right now is that, you know, the, the diagnosis for me wasn't the devastating part because I knew instinctually, I knew that that wasn't it and that like, we can find the answers and we can, you know, you know, defy the odds or whatever you want to call it. But there was a lot we could do. And I never feel like I'm ever stuck because knowledge is power. Empowerment is even better, right? You empower yourself with knowledge. Um, and then, so, you know, find ways to do something about a situation that's just, it's not, it does like, again, un- unnecessarily, you know, kind of chronically plaguing you. Um, but then, you know, I've, what I found was the most devastating and, and even continually. So, I mean, you know, we had many, many challenges since, um, and, and other family members, friends, clients that I work with. And so I think what's more devastating than the actual diagnosis is the, the attitude around Uh, you know, the environment that we need to live in, our children need to be, they're constantly told the opposite of what their moms who are like these, like, no, we can do this, we can do this. They're constantly being being told that they can't. I mean, we've had that encounter so many times and it's not just like in a doctor's office or, you know, I'm not dogging on that, but I'm saying like in the environment and like the stuff we see in the media and like, you know, how we understand this whole medicalized model of health which is completely missing the point and it's 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 negligent really i think it was what it is so um yeah so i just wanted to say that that wasn't a diagnosis that i personally found devastating which it can be for sure i mean it is if you don't think there's anything you could do about it or to improve or to be you know to um have a good life you know but um it was more so the attitudes that surrounded that diagnosis that i found the most um i guess crippling for my own children yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's just, um, it's sad when I think people almost get this learned helplessness when they're they're told yeah. that there's nothing that can be done or, or what have you. Um, when, when, you know, don't be limited by the toolbox of your medical mainstream medical doctor. Don't be limited yeah. by their limited knowledge set. Um, because that's why you need to have a team of practitioners around you, maybe a nutritionist, mm-hmm. someone working on toxicity who's an expert in that, someone who knows about something else, so maybe you're, they specialize in your child's diagnosis. You need to be never looking at one person to having all the answers to solve your, your issues or problems or, or health issues. Um, it's, it, takes a, it takes a village to to address these things and so i I just caution people to be be wary and get second opinions and get other uh, alternative uh opinions and alternative ways of addressing Mm -hmm. health issues because knowledge is power like you said yep for sure so i just want to quickly reiterate like a couple of points there and then we'll move right into this talk toxicity uh conversation um you know a couple other things i just want to make sure that it's really clear like what i think about that is blaming you know what's blaming biology rather than looking at the interplay between 
epigenetics and environment, right? So we're missing proper diagnoses and, and root cause resolution. You know, we're missing um, really what's actually happened with those kids to get to the proper, um, like, so sometimes someone will be, be diagnosed with ADHD, but what is that really? Like, what is the ADHD? I mean, it could be a nutritional deficiency, it could be a toxicity, which quite often it is, and it might not be the toxicity you might be thinking. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a chemical. It could be like EMF toxicity, right? So, um, you know, so those sorts of things, making sure that we're understanding that. We're also missing that. What we were talking about, like the collaboration with healthcare professionals, we need, like you were just saying, we need a team. We need a collaborative team, though, not with the parent as the quarterback. Like they might not be the one that makes all the play calls and they might not be the, necessarily the coach, but they're definitely that key player that makes everything happen. They make everything happen. And so we're missing that empowerment that people need to feel. And, and we've kind of lost that, you know, relying on a, a, like sort of like synthetic, not really real systems and ways of thinking that, you know, that strip us away from our own power. I mean, really, parents are the ones that are actually doing this work with their kids and they need to trust themselves more, I think. Um, and also the nature of health, right? Like literally and figuratively, like what is natural about health? You know, we need to kind of return to that, that nature of health um, and, and also a shift in the view of how we view health as well. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, so thanks for indulging me there. Okay, so your <laughs> other question. Toxicity. Okay. I want to talk about toxicity. So, so, <laughs> so how do so this readdresses how what role do toxins play in childhood illness? I mean, I know that it's a huge, huge, huge role. What are your thoughts? Well, I think I mean, I think, I think for sure in any chronic illness, and especially, yeah, especially children too, um, it is definitely like either you're toxic or you're deficient, right? So what is it that's, and toxicities can cause deficiencies, and deficiencies can allow for toxicities. So it's this whole interplay, right? And I think that there are like categories of toxicity that we really need to pay attention to, and they're not all only you know physiological, so um, or biological. So I mean, of course, we have chemicals, and namely glyphosate. Glyphosate is being like talked about in these circles, like. Some people like Stephanie Seneff are just like uh, like jumping up and down, you know, trying to get people's attention and discussing this whole issue of glyphosate and how it's like devastating the microbiome, creating all kinds of problems with the you know um, chemical processes in the body. That's gonna that's leading to high inflammatory um, you know cascades and autoimmunity and like just all kinds of damage to the cell cancers, you know, so you name it, glyphosate has a hand and we are just like spraying it like it's like, I don't know what, I mean, I don't understand, like it's completely reckless. So I think chemicals for sure are leading the path. We don't know what chemicals do. So it's like, okay, this one seems benign and this one's benign, but you put them together, we have no idea what that is doing to the human body. So um, chemicals are definitely on the top of the list there. Heavy metals, of course, you know, you did like a summit on heavy metals. Like, you know, you're, you're looking at a zillion people talking about this in a way more than I do, but I'm just going to tell, you know, give this mention because that is another issue when, with the development of ch uh, childhood chronic illness and kids are like, you know, really um, highly exposed. You know, if you're talking dental work or if you're talking about vaccinations if we're talking about like you know actually we're things you know the soil I mean rain <laughs> you know we're I mean th you know things are like heavy metals are here to stay and and we need to be able to keel you know get them out of the body not necessarily chelate but you know like move them out recognize the sources 
Um, so heavy metals is another uh, another thing that will be toxic to uh, children and create this whole um, inflammatory cascade leading to chronic illness. Um, path toxins caused by pathogens. Okay, that's another category. Um, we have viruses, bacteria, parasites, uh, fungus. You know, all of these things that our immune systems aren't really handling very well because of the assaults that we're getting from heavy metals and chemicals um, and poor lifestyle habits, EMF exposure. So that's another huge category that we're not really, I mean, we're naturally like in nature, we are going to encounter that we're supposed to, we actually ha are supposed to have you know, this, this, um, commensal, you know, uh, like party in there, you know, of all these different critters, we're supposed to have that, but, but like some of the ones that make the most mess and do the less, least cleanup and pollute the place and throw their garbage around the unwanted guests are those ones that are actually starting to really take over. And they'll be, you know, the helpers, the cleaners, those ones are getting kind of pushed out the door so you know or killed and so um i think we that's one thing we really need to pay attention to is the immune system there toxic food and lifestyle habits so industrialized food uh you know what are we get what are we taking in and a glyphosate that's a, that's a pretty good way to introduce glyphosate into the body is to to purchase um our food that's not organic um, and so, you know, we have those sorts of things, um, uh, and lifestyle habits. So no sleeping, no, uh, you know, no real rest, uh, all of those things are really, uh, no, not, not very good exercise. You know, like if you're exercising, you're sweating, you know, those sorts of things are contributing as well in a, in a big way. And then another thing, Wendy, I just wanted to mention too, is that the, those are all sort of like things we can ingest, take in, you know, they, they kind of relate to biochemical reactions and, you know, hormones and neurochemicals and all that sort of thing. They will affect those things, right? Um, but we're also talking about other things that affect the central nervous system that will actually become toxic, right? So, or, or allow toxins to sort of take hold or, um, you know, yeah, so they, they are toxic in and of themselves. So the mental and emotional environments that we live in um i don't know about you but i'm gonna ask you this do you feel like sometimes if you're around i, I think i'm a really empathetic person so i i really absorb a lot of the energy around me and so if i'm in the city or something i live in the country but i'm in the city a lot um grew up in the city and i feel this energy that is just like i don't even know how to explain it and so it really affects my psyche and then it's really hard to to actually feel good and to feel like on a on a healing path. It actually makes people sick. Yeah. The whole this whole um like a talk yeah yeah an emotional and mental toxic environment. It makes people sick literally. Um, and so you know those sorts of things, toxic peer groups and social situations, and you know our culture is actually conducive to being. It can be very toxic because you know paying attention to things like um, you know like the the biggest celebrities or the you know or the, these tragedies all over the world and like the the spin in media and stuff like that or or social media for children and and youth. Um, you know, those sorts of things can be very toxic. So our culture is actually um, can, can be quite toxic to our children as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really like that you mentioned that because I think so many people don't really look at their their environment their, or the energy around them and how it's affecting them. And some people are they're incredibly empathic and are dramatically affected by by people or their environment or EMF. Um, as well. 
And so tell us a little bit about vaccines and how vaccines contribute to childhood chronic illness. Yeah, I think they are a major player. Um, there are, yeah, I have, you know, things that I consider usual suspects for the onset of chronic illness in children and, and youth. Um, and so vaccines is definitely part of that picture and actually quite a large part because they can affect all of the things actually that I've talked about that we were talking about before in this whole interview. Um, so I think that parents really need to get really well educated um, when they're making these decisions, not get swayed by any sort of like scare tactics or anything like really go by the facts. Like is my child in, at risk? You know, what kinds of things am I concerned about? What could I, and then if, if you're considering something like a vaccination, what am I actually doing? Like what, what am I injecting to my into my child? What could the consequences be for that injection? And again, is it necessary? So um, I would, I, I just advise parents that I work with to be extremely cautious. Myself, um, you know, I, in my, our experience, I actually did, I did vaccinate when my children were younger, but that's because I, I didn't know any of the stuff I know now. And I stopped at a very early age because I, for me, I wasn't going to do that anymore. Like I, I learned too much and I was just like, no, the risks outweigh the, the, the benefits high, like very exponentially. So, um, so I advise caution. I advise getting really well educated, not by studies that are paid for by pharmaceutical companies, but by actual, you know, evidence and also um, anecdotal evidence. I mean, I, I actually really put a lot of value into parent testimonials and saying, look, like my kid was fine until this happened. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of stock into that because it's those moms and dads that are actually reporting the truth of what's going on behind the scenes and what actually happens to people, not just this theoretical idea of what we should and shouldn't do, but what is actually happening. So I, I advise extreme caution with, with the uh, topic of vaccinations. Um, also, I think we need to really understand like, you know, how early kids are being um, vaccinated. You know, do we really need to vaccinate a two month old baby that should have immunity um, from their own parent? You know, so, um, you know, being vaginally born a vaginal birth or, you know, having um, like being breastfed. Those are two very protective measures for newborn babies and and actually all the way through to when the that child is no longer being um, breastfed and also even into the future. That, that part of life is really where we establish our immune system. So um, those, those, those beginnings are really where we need to focus. Um, so we have all kinds of things. So if we're talking about toxicity, we have adjuvants, we, you know, mercury, everybody knows about this now, right? Like, you know, all these, these metals that are coming into the body, also, you know, viruses that are kind of hitching a ride as well we don't really want to be injecting that into the body because of the detrimental effects that they have in creating chronic illness. And I, I really feel that that was part of my own daughter's picture. Um, you know, although she didn't just get diabetes right away. I mean, a lot of children have, you know, end up, you know, um, autistic after, you know, inject like a vaccination and, you know, parents are like, you know, they were fine and then they weren't fine. And, and so it didn't happen that way for us but she had eczema, she had, you know, all these different little signs that something was going on under the surface that we weren't, that I didn't really think was a big deal. Like I was saying lobster in the pot, you know, I didn't really think that it was a big deal, but that, that chronic kind of illness, that chronic condition that shouldn't actually really keep going and going was there, right, from then. And I also think, you know, there's a combination of things that happen there. But, um, you know, so we need to un like understand what, what is actually in these vaccines do we really want to be injecting that straight into the bloodstream of, you know, of little children? 
Um, and at the rate that we're doing it right now, you know, like stacked on stacked, like can our immune system, those children's immune system really handle that? And then what's going on after the fact, like when that immune system just says, look, this is like, I, <laughs> I've had it, you know? So, I mean, the necessity again, um, uh, I have a Paul Thomas, Dr. Paul Thomas, gives a really good rundown about the necessity of certain vaccines. And he's a little more, uh, uh, it's a little different in, in my, than my view about vaccines, but he's, he gives a really good discussion about, you know, what, what we're doing when we actually injected vaccines and which ones are actually maybe worth considering. Most of them aren't, by the way, most of them actually are not worth considering. Um, and then he says, well, these ones might be worth looking into. Um, like the HPV vaccine, for instance, uh, you know, kids are being very damaged by it. And, and we're really questioning, like, first, is it like, does it work? And second, um, you know, does it actually, uh, like, are they necessary? I mean, you know, is, is that necessary to give, you know, these 13-year-old kids a HPV vaccine? Um, and then also not really understanding a child's epigenetic you know, makeup, like they're, they're, so what is it, like, do they have certain SNPs, you know, that may actually make them, you know, not being able to detoxify properly, um, you know, that make these vaccines much more uh, dangerous for children who have these particular um, genetic SNPs, and also their, their status of their gut health. So we're not looking into that before actually saying, yeah, sure, everybody should get this, but you've got a kid with a leaky gut, who has these predispositions to not be able to detoxify well, they don't make glutathione well, and you've got a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So, and then we're combining it with Tylenol, right? Like okay, Tylenol. So Tylenol in conjunction with vaccinations has actually been shown to create these sorts of like, like a um, chronic illness, like just like this onset that happens right away after um, a vaccination. So that, that's another, uh, and Tylenol actually tends to um, deplete the body of specific vitamins and nutrients, minerals as well. So B6 in particular, um, B vitamins, Tylenol will actually deplete the body of that particular um, vitamin. And B vitamins are like essential for so many different processes in the body that we just, being deficient in that, not being able to detoxify, um, you know, not be able to produce the antioxidants we need, like major antioxidant, glutathione, leaky gut, that's causing all kinds of reactivity and, and inflammation, we have, again, a recipe for disaster. So I think that, you know, I, and also not to mention what we don't know, you know, with DNA changes, what are we doing to our actual, like, the future of children that are being born from children of vaccinated people? I mean, we have no clue what's going on there. We, we won't know for, for quite some time. And also, I think that, Wendy, there are safer ways. Like, I, I think that um, you know, that, like I said before, natural childbirth and breastfeeding actually give that baby that immune system that they need. Um, and also having viruses and, and, and bacteria and like, you know, all those things that, you know, we think are bad actually aren't necessarily bad. Like we know that measles actually are protective. So when your child gets measles and they go through kind of that sick and nobody wants their children to be sick, but you know, they, if they have a robust immune system and a good healthy gut, they actually come through those, those illnesses much more equipped to deal with every other assault they get along the way. So they're not using that sort of crutch of having, you know, a, um, uh, like a, you know, a, a vaccination to do that for them. Their own, own immune system is being educated by the, very, the, the various pathogens that they're encountering in their environment. And we need that. So that will actually lend us a much more robust immune system in the future. 
so we have, you know, breastfeeding, natural childbirth, good nutrition, you know, recognizing that like the health of the microbiome is major. Um, and also homeoprophylaxis, which is a homeopathic method of educating the immune system as well. So I just think that there are safer ways, less toxic. I mean, none of those are toxic. Those are actually beneficial. Um, and so, yeah, a word of caution, parents, just, you know, pay attention to what you're introducing into those child's, the ch to, to your child's body, because even the safer ways are actually protective. And they're actually ways to actually prevent chronic illness as well, as well as reverse it. Yes. So why do you think it's important for like the entire family and not the, just the child to be, be addressed? It's important to work with the entire family unit um, when a child has chronic illness. Yeah, well, I, I, I actually think it's essential. Um, if you've ever seen you know, a family, I mean, I'm sure you do this all the time, but you see a family who's been de devastated by uh, you know, a diagnosis or it, it's not easy. Like, I, it, there's nothing about this that's easy. Um, the relearning, even if you feel it, even the most empowered parent feels like, I don't want to do this sometimes, right? Like this is, this, I don't want my child to suffer. I don't want to go through this stuff. It's tough. And then, so, I mean, the divorce rate is high, you know, the discontent in the homes are, are, is high and you actually can't really heal very easily from a chronic illness if you have stress. So, you know, and it's, it's not just like this feeling of stress and this is like, I don't want to, you know, can't communicate or connect with my parents because there's so much stress involved. It's not just that. It's actually the essential nervous system and the high cortisol and, you know, all those things that are contributing to the disease process. So that's really important to deal with family relationships. And so what, if, you're, if you're doing it all together, that's strengthening that family, the relationship. And I'm not, whatever that family looks like, it might be like one parent and kids, might be one parent, one kid, could be two parents, you know, could be grandparents, whatever that family unit um, is, you know, zillions of kids, right? Like it doesn't matter what that is, but the unit, the people that are living together as a family, uh, to do it together, I think is really, um, it's essential, you know, and I, and because that, that child who is ill, that one, you know, that one, um, or two or whatever, that, that child is not singled out. They don't feel different. They don't feel odd. This is just something we all do to maintain our health. They're not, you know, the sick kid. They're not, you know, because that takes away all of their power in their healing, their own healing process. And we need them to feel empowered as well. So, um, yeah, not the sick kid. And the family is the best support system. They could be the worst, right? If you're falling apart, that could be the hardest thing in, in somebody's life is when you have a family that's really has difficult relationships, not working together, someone's singled out, you know, black sheep with a family, like, you know, I, oh, so-and-so doesn't have to do the dishes. Why doesn't, you know, all that strife, that's just like wears down on you thing after thing after thing. Like we can really mitigate some of those that follow, right? And not signaling, singling certain people out. So, but our family support system can be the best support. It could be, you know, our solace. It could be where those kids actually come to for the advice of their parents or their siblings and the support rather than going out there where there's a lot of crap and a lot of stuff to deal with that is not uh, beneficial for them. It's not serving them. You know, it's not serving them to be, you know, all their friends are going to McDonald's or it's not serving them to, and, or to even feel like they're deprived of that. So if they have this really good support system, this is the way we do it. This is the way I would have been taught. You know, it's so much easier to deal with um, 
any sort of illness. So, and it elevates the health of everybody, right? And we create a less toxic, more healing space for our families to heal. And so when I, when I coach people, I'm looking at mom, I'm looking at dad, and those are actually the first two people or whoever's the, the main caregiver. Um, those are the people actually that really need the support of like, let's say you're working with a family health coach or um, healthcare providers. That, that's, those are the people that need the most support and their kids just get better and it shakes out in the wash. Like it just, if the parents are getting better, those kids are getting better. So that's why I think a family approach is really, really important. And I think the family gets lost in the shuffle quite often. We focus on that sick, the sick person and we forget that everybody in that family is like, it's like a symbiotic relationship. And if one person is not well, the rest of them aren't really doing well either. And if other people are doing well, a rising tide lifts all boats. So that's why I, I really focus on the family. You talk about all these topics and more in your upcoming summit, the Children's Health Summit for Preventing and Reversing Childhood Chronic Illness. And I talked on the summit as well about toxicity. Um, but can you tell us about you know what someone could expect with the summit and where where they can sign up and register for it? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, okay. So if you go to childrenshealthsummit.com, that's where you can find us and it will have a lineup of the speakers. We have like so far and actually have a couple latecomers too, um, 54 speakers. It's insane. Wow. It is the best. And I, I promise to deliver the biggest family health event of the year. And I delivered, I mean, I'm telling you this is the and I don't mean just me. I mean, all of these people who are speaking is just phenomenal. We talk about everything from ADHD, um, autism, um, asthma, atopic conditions, um, autoimmunity, GI distress, mood and mental health um, issues, um, and also childhood cancer. We just actually just wrapped up an interview with Dr. Nisha Winters about childhood cancer. We tackle it all because, um, and then what we do is we help people to first understand the problems, then dig into some of the details, and then what do we do about it, right? We want people to come away from this summit with some real concrete answers. So I'm really proud of it. I can't wait for it. We, we actually start, we launch May 13th. So, but you can go head on over to child, our children's health summit.com and um, get signed up to receive the emails that'll give you the links to all the talks. Um, and I really, I really hope to see you there. Yeah. And so you also have a program where you teach people to become family health coaches. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. And that, well, that, that kind of was born out of my discontent. I mean, I think, I think that sometimes we just need something to bug us a little bit to get, you know, keep us going on that hero's journey, you know, like the, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of bugged me, you know, our experience, I'll, I'll just put that mildly kind of bugged me my experience I had with my daughter. And I felt like, well, what are we missing when we're trying to, uh, you know, like support these parents to be empowered. And so I, I felt I took a bunch of different um, health coach training programs and trainings and trained in functional medicine and all kinds of stuff, but it never addressed the family or what people can do. Like, so it didn't address advocacy, it didn't address, you know, how to find your support team. It didn't address, you know, parents weren't even really taught the physiology or, or the coaches weren't even taught that to, to really give 
their clients the best experience. I, I wasn't really interested in doling out supplements and just saying that's going to fix you because it's not. It just isn't. I mean, there's no, you know, so we really, so what I did was I put together a program that did this paradigm shift, right? In the very beginning of the program, we talk a lot about, you know, the medicalization of health and then shifting into this natural state of health that we should have. Like, this is not, this shouldn't be an anomaly to feel good. Like, we should all feel good and be rarely sick. That's, that's actually kind of how it needs to be or should be. And then we go through all of the physiology, we go through all of the psychology, we go through trauma, we go through central nervous system, we go through all the usual suspects that cause disease, and then we go through all of the, um, all of the pillars of, of how to actually reverse prevent, you know, help our clients. And then we talk about those issues with coaching as well. So, um, and coaching the whole family, not just the individual, because it's very different to coach an individual and then also coach a family and that has kids and this variable and that variable, like, or grandparents or like all these things that we need to take into account. So I wanted to train people to support people like me who really could have used that at the very beginning and save myself eight years of like trying to figure it all out for myself and really making headway right away with somebody who knows what they're doing, how to, how to guide you in, in the decisions that you need to make so that you can actually nip this whole thing in the bud. Well, Carla, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your insight on this topic as you just interviewed some of the world's foremost experts on childhood healthcare. And you know, this is so important because so many children today are on medications, they have allergies, they have asthma. Yep. We just have a rash of childhood illness that uh, we just just didn't exist even you know 20 30 years ago and so you talk about some of those issues as to why and a lot of solutions on the childhood health summit so thanks for coming on and everyone thanks for tuning in to the myers detox podcast where every week we talk about uh, issues surrounding heavy metal and chemical toxicity um, you know health issues that are caused by these toxins and solutions as well. So thanks for tuning in every week. And it's such a blessing to be able to serve you and help answer all of your pressing health questions. So I'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.